you may be a Bitcoin old timer, <laughs> but yeah, many to the get off my lawn. <laughs> but many to the crypto space are brand new, and as a result, there's still many questions about what Bitcoin even is. How was it created? Why was it created? What does it do? Can I buy a pony with it? As part of our birthday celebration week, today we revisit episode number two of the show, where we explored these questions surrounding Bitcoin. When this show first aired, Bitcoin was worth approximately $2,700 per coin. So let's get back to the basics of Bitcoin and see where things were at just one year ago. It's the chill out, Doc Brown. You need ADHD medication. Episode number 154 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. It is the Bad Crypto Podcast, and it's our birthday week. We're going back in time. Last episode, you uh, got to hear the very first episode again. And on this one, it's where we uh, talked about Bitcoin and the content. And this is still solid. The only thing that's different is the pricing of, you know, what the value of crypto right now and our level of knowledge. But I think, you know, we did a pretty good job of explaining what is this Bitcoin thing in that episode. That's, that's so great. So it's amazing that we've put out over 200 shows in the past year, and it's really fun to go back and listen to some of these early ones. A lot of people have never even heard some of these earlier ones because it's before your time. And actually, a lot of people have listened to every single one. They're like, ah, I got on. I started listening to your show. I've gone back and I've listened to every single one of them. Uh, you know what? There's a few of them back there that are really solid to go back and listen to. The interview ones are very, very solid to listen to. You know, the ones that are news heavy, not so much because that news is not as necessarily relevant, but we always have a feature in the show. And so you can go back and download and listen to those those previous shows and get a lot of great value from them. And we're we're moving forward, putting a lot of great value, a lot of great interviews uh, upcoming and and a lot of fun, a lot of great places that we're going up in the next uh, in the next few months. Mr. Joel Com. Indeed. Chicago, Las Vegas. You're going to Moscow. I'm going to Germany and Ireland. And uh, there's just there's so much going on. Mediterranean cruise thing going on. There may be some something going something, something in Nashville, maybe something, something in Nashville, maybe something in Malta. Lots of conversations happening. And there will be an interview soon uh, that's going to hit the show uh, that Rachel Wolfson conducted with uh, a key blockchain player in Malta. But for now, we want to thank our sponsor, the folks at New Alchemy. They've got a team of marketing experts, event producers, and community managers that can help you make your idea a reality. They can do conferences, they can do events, they build communities. If you're offering a, a security token offering or any other security, they've got a broker dealer they work with. They'll work with the issuer security council and make sure that all your activities are compliant with securities laws and regulation because you don't want to get in any trouble. If you're going to do an ICO, you want to do it the right way. Go check out New Alchemy, newalchemy.io. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is this is a the reprise uh, version. This is actually in its entirety as it originally was. This is museum archive quality audio, folks. Uh, and uh, this is how we were. The way we were. Episode number two. Wow, what a response to our first show. 
it's been amazing, right? So our first show, you know, it looks like we've got over a thousand subscribers already within the first like four days of launching the first podcast. That's yeah, pretty incredible. Yes. Uh, so much so, I mean, when you go to iTunes and you type in Bitcoin, our podcast comes up first. Um, Ethereum, we're like in the number eight. Litecoin, number four, was it? Or also number maybe number one. Number one. I think it depends on mobile versus desktop. I noticed for Bitcoin on desktop, we pop up number one. On mobile, number eight. On for blockchain, we're like number four on mobile. Uh, I'm not exactly for sure on desktop, but it's we're in the top ten for all of the top terms on iTunes in mobile and on desktop already. And wow. uh, that's phenomenal. We got about what 12, 13, 15 reviews or something. Uh, yeah, five stars too, which I would love for you guys to come and um, uh, review as well. Honest reviews, of course. But if your review is brutally honest, then maybe don't kind of do it i don't know <laughs> do something else right anyway this is the podcast for crypto newbies crypto noobs um because cryptocurrency which really entails a, a wide swath do i get paid to have used the word swath uh, a wide spectrum of um I don't know, disciplines, ideas, Bitcoin, uh, Litecoin, Ethereum, uh, hundreds of altcoins, blockchain technology, uh, digital payments. All of this is encapsulated in in uh, what cryptocurrency is, and the mainstream has yet to arrive. That is so true. I mean, this is, if you look at it, and we talked about this a little bit last week, is, you know, the world that we're moving into, you know, these next three to five, 10, 20 years, there's going to be more changes happening than in the previous 300 years. Now that's hard to imagine because the last 100 years has been so incredible with all these technological advances, but we're moving into this world with 5G and the internet of things where everything is connected to the internet, right? 5G is going to have zero latency. We have all this artificial intelligence, all this machine learning and deep learning and uh, AR and VR and all this stuff. And of course, cryptocurrency, if you think that cryptocurrency is not the future of money, then you aren't seeing how things are moving forward currently. So there's a lot of opportunity in this, and, and the masses have not jumped on board with crypto. And so it would, it would seem that those who get in earlier are going to have much greater opportunity for growth uh, within their within their their holdings, right? And which ones do they choose? And so it's interesting, and that's why we decided to to really put this podcast together is to help you dissect this space because that's kind of what Joel and I are, are are both really good at. We we get we become interested in something, we see where things are headed, then we start going in and researching it and dissecting it and understanding it to help make sense of it for those who maybe who don't understand it, right? I'm more excited about this. You and I, we are totally nerding out these past few months about crypto, and we are so involved now. We are so in, and what we're discovering is we've got people contacting us because they're listening to the show and saying, oh, you know, we've we've got something. You know, I know about blockchain and Bitcoin, or, you know, we're with a company that's going to be using blockchain or Bitcoin, or we're already doing it, and we want to talk to you. And so, you know, what we kind of see happening is that this show is an opportunity for us to continue learning and share with you what we learn 
at least as best as we can. Sometimes an error. We'll just put that out there right now. You know, we we know that we're not going to have it all down. That's um, why it's and, bad. That's why it's bad. Right, that's why it's bad. Uh, <laughs> we, we bad. Who's bad? And oh, I just noticed that the lettering, the red lettering for the bad crypto podcast is very similar to Michael Jackson's <laughs> bad album. Shimon. Uh, who is Shimon anyway? I don't even know. I thought it was Ham On. Ham On Whole Wheat. All right. And Rye. <laughs> A weird owl reference for y'all there. Uh, but, you know, what we want to try to do is bring you two episodes perhaps a week, one in which we uh, talk a little bit about a certain area within cryptocurrency and what we've learned and hopefully educate you, you know, make this seemingly complex material understandable. And that's one of the things that Travis and I do so well. And then in another episode, bring you a guest, somebody that is involved in the crypto space that understands and, you know, won't talk in a pointy head way at us, but will help us really understand because the deeper I dig in, honestly, the, the more I understand this and I realize that it's not complex. And, and that's our goal is to make it not complex. Now, Travis, let's talk a little bit about what this show is not. Yeah, so, you know, we are not financial advisors, right? No. I would, we are not experts in this space. We are learning as we go, right? And as, as Joel just mentioned, you know, we're, we're, we're solid at that. We like to dissect these things. And that's what the show is, is, you know, hey, we're, we're learning about it. We're helping distill the valuable information to help you become more informed in the space. And and so that's really what it is. I mean, we're not going to be making recommendations of which, you know, crypto coins, uh, which currencies that you should be buying. We're going to say the ones that we are buying, right? But we're not going to be pumping and dumping um, no. these coins, you know, we're not, because that's not what we're about. We're trying to no, educate. there's a lot of that out there too, right, Travis? Yeah. If you go to YouTube or even, you know, iTunes for podcasts, there's a variety of people around out there right you have the um the high end i'm going to call them pointy heads because they're really smart right the ones that dig deep into this and understand stuff that we've yet to learn you've got those that are like the npr types that are covering it more as journalism from a news point of view and that's great too but not very fun to listen to and sometimes hard to understand um then you've got the pump and dumpers that you refer to and these are people and we're not going to identify them by name at least not now um who go on youtube and they talk about um the cryptocurrency equivalents of penny stocks right they're new cryptos and they talk them up and they steer their audience towards buying these and then when it's at a high they're the first ones to sell and then uh, there's people left holding the bag and we watch the thing come crashing down yeah, yeah but we bad. will however we will be talking about the various new coins that are coming out from the icos or the initial coin offerings each week we will talk a little bit about that they're also called token generation events this is where companies are using these cryptocurrencies and creating their own currency as a form of funding for their business so we will talk about those but again we're not going to be making recommendations on which ones you should buy all this is is hey this is happening you should go out and do some research and due diligence on your own and learn and check it out 
because as you learn, you're going to get those hunches of which ones you should buy. We're going to get hunches of which ones we should buy. We just don't want a mob of people coming outside our homes going, oh my God, you told us to buy this coin and it's a shit coin and now we're angry. <laughs> right. And there we go. We have officially uh, received our parental advisory explicit rating for the week. Um, and <laughs> that's, you never know what Travis is going to say and it's all fine because he's right. That's actually what they're called by those who follow. Um, there's actually a name for, I, for, um, currencies that are bad. And, and, and that's, you know, that's just how it is. It's just a term that's used. And so, uh, you know, cover your dog's ears if they're going to be offended. Um, in all likelihood, they will not be. So now you know what we are and what we're not um, and what we're becoming. Uh, so what I would like to do is kind of give a recap of what's happened in Bitcoin this week. And, and maybe then we can explain a little bit for our audience, especially those that are really Really knew exactly what this Bitcoin thing is. So, you know, there was a lot of uh, turmoil in the um, cryptocurrency um, market over the past few weeks, right? Because Bitcoin hit $3,000 per coin and then a couple weeks ago came crashing down to about 1800 and it's since rebounded to, as of uh, right now, it's at 2,782. What happened? Yeah, so, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about the, really the size of the blocks on, on Bitcoin and not, not being big enough to take in all of the transactions that are happening, right? And so that's what one thing we'll talk about in a, in a future episode is really diving in and talking about the blockchain. But with Bitcoin, you know, I believe they can only have around, what is it, 2,700 transactions per block or 4,200 transactions per block, something like that. And right. And, and, and just to explain, uh, you know, uh, without getting highly technical, just imagine that a certain number of transactions can take place, say, every 10 minutes. And there's so many happening online that it gets clogged up and they're backed up you know imagine if you went to buy something at the store and swiped your visa and it took 10 minutes for it to process well that's one of the big problems that bitcoin's having and so there was a lot of fear uncertainty and doubt or fud as it's called by those of us in the crypto world and what what was happening that created all that fud yeah, so they were thinking that they were, you know, depending on the new technology that was going to be implemented on top of Bitcoin, they were thinking that might actually split the coin into two different blockchains. And it looks as if that we've avoided that. So it looks like they are, they are avoiding a split into the two blockchains, which is now giving us more stability and typically what's happened during weekends is, you know, the price sort of bounces down a little bit every weekend. That has not happened at all this weekend, which is highly irregular. And the price is, is continuing to go up. So it looks as if uh, the industry has maybe avoided that potential disaster. Yeah, so there was a date of August 1st, which wasn't like a certain date, uh, but they were kind of looking for those that do the mining are the ones that are deciding the future of Bitcoin for the most part. And something like 80% of the miners 
needed to come on board in order to support this um, new code that would allow for faster transactions, bigger block sizes. And uh, more than 80% jumped on. And so the market has just kind of like a hush has come over the crowd. And it's spilled over to the other primary coins. Um, that, And I call them primary because uh, in the market cap, of coins, um, these three account for number one, two, and four in the market cap, and those are Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin, and they're all really eerily stable. Um, and then in the altcoin market, we're seeing an uptick among many of the altcoins. We're we're feeling that this might be a bull run right now. Um, and I have my analysis of this, which is amateur, and don't take this to the bank. But Travis, I think that this leveling out, and I, even as I'm saying this, I can't believe I'm speaking like an analyst. <laughs> <laughs> what has become of you? What what have we done with Joel Kahn? No, as this is leveled out, there's a certain piece, and I think. Um, at least the way I'm playing it, I believe it's setting up for the next bull run. Um, and and I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I've purchased more Bitcoin, uh, more Ethereum, and more Litecoin over the last week. Uh, and, and I think it pays to, to note, uh, you know, Travis, can you explain the difference between a trader and an investor? Right. Well, so a difference between an investor is somebody who is buying something and, and planning on holding it. Uh, for the long term, or as they say in the crypto word, HODL, which H-O-D-L, that's, that's a big word. I don't know. It keeps popping up. Somebody obviously misspelled hold along the way, and they have memed that into you must HODL your investments. Yeah, but, but, but you know what that means, right? Yeah, actually, you want to hold them. It's for a long-term deal, right? Um, right, but it's an acronym. Mm, what is the acronym? Yeah, the acronym is hold on for dear life. Okay. <laughs> right. So that's what HODL has uh, come to mean amongst the investment community. So both myself and Travis are looking at where cryptocurrency has been. And if you go, for example, to Coinbase.com and you click on Bitcoin and you and then there's a chart up at the top that has uh, the trading over an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year and all click on all. Right. Because if you're just looking at the week, you're going to see up, down, up, down. Uh, but if you look at all since January of 2013, when it began trading at like, I don't know, $13, you'll see this this chart of the peaks and valleys and get a big picture. And so, you know, that's over four and a half years right now. Uh, what we're looking at is where will this be four and a half years from now? OK, so we are investing in cryptocurrency so what's a trader do yeah a trader is going to be one of those people who sit there and they're 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 trying to buy the dips and sell at the highs and then you know wait for it to fall so it's kind of like a day trader within stocks mm -hmm. who are you know working their magic on a daily basis and you know there's some people who have been very successful at that and then you know and a lot of times these are people who not always, but they will enable some of those pump and dumpers, right? Because that's a good way for them to get on top and then get out early and all that good stuff. So those are people who are trading uh, on a daily basis or weekly basis and buying the dips, and which I like to buy the dips. You obviously want to buy them when it's low and sell when it's high, right? But I'm typically buying and then holding these key 
these key different coins that I like. And, and one way that I like to do research on this is go to a website called coinmarketcap.com. And if you click on the currencies tab or go to coinmarketcap.com slash currencies, you can actually see all of the different currencies. And right now they're tracking 821. Last week they were tracking 809. So there's new currencies that have popped up into the market. And now I like to go over to the volume uh, column, click on volume, and then sort that by, you know, which coins have traded the most US dollars in the last 24 hours. And currently, Bitcoin has traded about $1.2 billion in the last 24 hours. Ethereum, about $600 million. Litecoin, about $132 million. BitShares, which is another one, $132 million. And Ripple, $77 million. So those are the top five coins as far as volume in the last 24 hours. And so it's really interesting. But then there's a column right beside that called Circulating Supply. And that's where I find is really interesting because some of those coins have more than a billion of these coins in available are available, like BitShares, 2.5 billion, Ripple, 38 billion, Bitcoin currently 16 million in supply, Ethereum, 93 million, Litecoin, 52 million. So there's much less of those coins. And then you can sort sort to see the correlation between the amount of supply versus the price and kind of understanding how they're how they're comparing. Yeah, and so there's a couple um, things that I want to talk about related to that. I, I spotted a tweet uh, from a Bitcoin evangelist. His name is Alistair Milne. I don't know him. He's with a currency fund, and he posted just this week that Coinbase, which we have referred to as a, a good starter uh, place to go. And by the way, I think we've got an affiliate link uh, in our show notes that if you sign up, we get something like what, 10 bucks? No, we get 10 bucks and you get 10 bucks. And you get so, yeah. 10 bucks too. So if you want to sign up for Coinbase and get 10 bucks um, for free that you can trade with, go use the link that you see uh, showing up on our show notes. But what Alistair tweeted is that Coinbase has added approximately 100,000 users within the last three days, which is the same number of people. Um, that it was adding in June. In other words, it's it's increasing. Uh, it's continuing to grow, and we're still in the early adopter phase, um, and so people are, are still coming to it. So that's one thing I found fascinating. Uh, the other is that I found an article from two years ago, and at that point, it was uh, March 2015, Bitcoin had about 14 million coins in circulation what are we at now uh 16.5 ish okay so what this article speculated uh and, and just so people know by the year uh 2020 will be at about 20 million in circulation uh, it, it there's a curve that mining in circulation slows down dramatically. The supply diminishes over time because there's less to mine and it becomes more expensive to mine it. That for another show. But this article suggested that up to one third of all bitcoins are lost. Mm -hmm. Which, Which is, means, yeah. uh, well, we talked about this a little bit in our um, premiere episode. Uh, you've got some lost Bitcoin. Yeah, thanks. Or for, you thanks don't for, have it. Thanks for thanks for reminding me of that. It's always painful. Yeah, yeah. 50, 55 or so Bitcoin that are lost into uh, a crashed hard drive that may or may not be able to be uh, grabbed again. But they're saying maybe a third of all Bitcoin potentially are gone, meaning there's maybe only 11 million or so in, in circulation. 
Yeah, so there's uh, fewer out there. And, you know, supply and demand in the marketplace is everything. Uh, and the reason that we believe Bitcoin prices are going up is because, let's say, out of the 16.5 million that have been issued for circulation, maybe only 13 million, let's say 14 are out there, which means there's only another, what, 5,000 left to be, 5 million left to be put in circulation, and that's going to be very slowly that they come out. Um, supply and demand, it's not like the U.S. government saying, well, we need to control the money supply, let's go print some. Right. Never-ending uh, printing of dollars has been a big, big, big problem. And if you look at the amount of currency in circulation, uh, especially since 2008 when we had that big you know, economic downturn and the, the big, big recession that hit, you know, they had quantitative easing one, quantitative easing two, quantitative easing three. That just means they turn on the uh, dollar printing presses and just keep them going full blast. And so the amount of currency is just skyrocketed. Uh, and then, you know, a dollar now uh, is not worth what a dollar was in the year 1917, right? Why is that? Because there's way more money in circulation. Knowing that there's only a finite amount of Bitcoin, you can't print more. There's only going to be 21 million minus the ones that are lost. That's all there will ever be. And, you know, Litecoin, there's only going to be 84 million of them ever. They're not, they can't print more of them, Joel. So that's why this is interesting. And that's why based on sort of math and the algorithms of how, and the economics of how these tokens work, uh, over time, they're going to be worth a tremendous amount of money. Math is so fun. So, um, we 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 definitely both made investments this week. Uh, you know, I I bought some more Bitcoin. I bought some more um, Ethereum, and we'll talk about Ethereum in the future. But just to uh, be brief, why is Ethereum so important? Well, Ethereum is interesting because you know it's it, it takes the blockchain, which we talked a little bit about last week, but it takes that blockchain and then it adds these additional capabilities on top of it, which allow companies to build apps, d apps on top of it. It allows them to build smart contracts into uh, the blockchain. So it's it's really interesting what enterprise businesses can do with Ethereum. And a lot of these ICOs or these initial coin offerings are happening on top of the Ethereum blockchain. And so there's a lot of really interesting business use cases for Ethereum. And uh, so as we're moving down the road, we're going to see, you know, and there's actually an Ethereum, the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance that has popped up where there's companies like Microsoft and Intel, Cisco, uh, a lot of banks like JP Morgan and Chase and some of these other top banks are part of this Enterprise Ethereum Alliance. And that tells me when banks and big corporations start backing these technologies, you know, they started, they built that in, I believe, February. And since February, the price of Ethereum has skyrocketed comparatively from where it was. And I think that's only going to grow as more of these technologies get built onto that particular blockchain. So, although, you know, do you want to talk about some of the challenges that Ethereum had this week? Um, there's some interesting you know, stuff. I, don't, I feel like we're, we're getting before ourselves because there's some basics that we, we need to get mm -hmm. into. Um, I'd kind of like to just say that, you know, Ethereum is... Uh, oh, you're talking about the hack. Yeah, we yeah. can do. We can definitely do. But Ethereum is kind of like a, um, a transitional value. Think about it that way. Is though there's a bunch of companies that are going to be uh, having 
coin offerings based on the Ethereum blockchain. And in order to invest in those, you need to have Ethereum. That's what drives the investment in Ethereum. Just like with Bitcoin, the odds are you're not going to be making a ton of payments, um, at least at retail with Bitcoin, because it's never going to be as fast as some of these others like Litecoin or Dash or, or BitShares or any number of others that can do instant transactions like Visa and MasterCard and American Express. So Bitcoin's kind of like gold. It's a storage of value that you hold so that you can then buy other things that, that help facilitate making your life easier. So yeah, Travis, what you're referring to is um, uh, two things that happen with Ethereum that kind of give crypto a bad rap, but really it's just kind of human stupidity, isn't it? It really is. And so there was a scenario where hackers stole $32 million worth of Ethereum in a heist and uh, there was another one where CoinDash was having their own ICO, and somebody uh, they didn't hack. They're not actually hacking Ethereum. What they did was they hacked the web page and put their own Ethereum address in, <laughs> and then people had donated like all this Ethereum, and then it went to these hackers who had basically logged into the web page, put their address in instead, and then they got all the money, which was yeah. Wild. You're laughing. I'm sure CoinDash is is not, not laughing. Not nor the investors because the people Certainly. who invested they're out. Um, so, you know, there's some things that we're learning along the way that, uh, but you know, we have people stealing credit card numbers all the time, right? Hacking is nothing new. And so I don't think, you know, we intend to create any fear over crypto. Uh, I think overall it's more secure if you're wise, you know, about what you're doing, but you should treat all your investments wisely. Yes, and we're going to get into that in a, in a future episode of like, how do you store these in wallets? How do you protect yourself most effectively? What are some techniques to, uh, or, or just, you know, let's actually give you some link to some tutorials on, on how to protect yourself to ensure that your investments stay your investments. And it's really easy to do. Uh, it's not difficult. Uh, there's just some steps that you need to take and learn about to, to ensure that, 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 that you are able to maintain and continue to grow your investments because people out there in all walks of life from all over, it's not just the Russians that are trying to hack elections, allegedly right it's they're trying to get into your bank they're trying to do all kinds of stuff so but there's a lot of really interesting and simple things you can do to easily protect yourself and we'll talk about those in future episodes as well well in the time we have left then why don't we dig into uh, some of the basics of Bitcoin for those that are totally new to it or those who are familiar with it but you know you might not have heard it put in common easy to understand terms like the very simple-minded Travis Wright and I are uh, are more want to have so what the heck is bitcoin right so so bitcoin you know is is this currency that can be used to buy things electronically in a very you know easy sense they're sort of like regular dollars and regular money or euros or whatever but because uh, those can also be traded digitally. But what's really interesting about this is that nobody owns it or controls it. It's not like the, the IMF or the International Monetary Fund or the World Bank or the Federal Reserve Bank where they control the distribution and they control how many dollars are printed or whatever. This is decentralized. And so that's great, meaning there's not a large bank who, who's going to control your money or try to take your assets away, right? Right. And, and you know, how, you might say, well, where did 
this come from? There's a, um, a Japanese gentleman whose name is Satoshi Nakamoto, which only he and God and probably some family members know who he actually is. Uh, but he was a software developer. He's a programming pointy head nerd who came up with this idea for Bitcoin. And, you know, this is where it gets interesting that the whole system of electronic payments was created based on, okay, this is where it could get scary, math. Math. is based on math. And um, the idea was to create a new type of currency that wasn't dependent upon banks or governments and be able to transfer um, funds instantly, but with uh, transaction fees that were reasonable. It, to this day, still nobody knows exactly who Satoshi Nakamoto is. And I believe, although I have not yet done my research to do this, I believe that um, the the Bitcoins, you know, we talk about them in one Bitcoin, but you can actually create them into small, teeny tiny parts. Like, you know, with a dollar, the smallest we get is a penny. Right, that's the smallest amount of currency we have. 0.01 is a penny. Hundred pennies equal a dollar. But with cryptocurrency, you can divide it into a hundred millionth of a bitcoin. Okay, and that's called a satoshi, which is named after Satoshi Nakamoto, who may or may not be Japanese. That could just be a big ruse. There, you never know. We don't that's, know who this guy is. So that's true. Be- Maybe he's Japanese. Maybe he's not. So are we able to just turning Japanese? (laughs) I really think so. Um, (laughs) So so now what's interesting about this is knowing that there's only going to be 21 million bitcoins ever created that, you know, that that gives us that sort of finite amount of them and which there's not a lot of supply and knowing that you can buy things with a fraction of of a bitcoin right and and a lot of these people are talking about how much a bitcoin may or may not be worth down the road and think about that you know if it's worth half a million dollars like some people are saying down the road then point zero 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 one of a bitcoin you know that could that can actually be worth a substantial amount down the road and you're sounding so binary right now binary solo zero 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 one one zero 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 one you know and the way that bitcoin is created right it's not like they just said okay there's 21 million of these go spend them go trade them no it started with zero and there's a process that's called mining that we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the actual mining i think in a future episode because right you know now i just want to talk about like what makes bitcoin so unique but what i want everybody to imagine is that there is a finite supply of gold in the world now we don't know how much there actually is that hasn't been mined. We know how much there actually is, but you know, we do know that there's a finite amount. You can't create gold. So, you know, I guess God would know how much gold he'd be able to give it to you down to, you know, a Satoshi amount. Um, but the rest of us mere mortals, we don't know. We can estimate. But well, if let, you... let me, I want to throw an, a, a, little, a little extra on top of that. Now, there is only a finite amount of gold, but the way that gold and silver markets have been manipulated over time, they actually are selling these paper contracts uh, of gold, right? And there's, I believe I read a Zero Hedge article about this where there is 
233 times as much paper gold as there is physical gold that has been delivered in the past year. Mm. And with silver, it's like 540 times as much paper silver out there as there is regular silver. So they can actually kind of make gold and silver just by creating fake fictitious paper amounts of it and selling those contracts, which you cannot do with Bitcoin. Right. It's kind of a big scam. It's a sham. It's a flim mm -hmm. flam. Um, mm -hmm. Gold and, and silver, I believe, should be um, higher priced, uh, which is why we're both pirates and, and have a little bit of the silver yard, locked yard. away in the safety deposit box. Dog to the yard arm. Captain Jack has got his silver. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if you'll just imagine for the sake of argument that there's a finite amount of gold in the world, um, there's a finite amount of silver or, or of Bitcoin and silver as well, of course. But um, that kind of and that gold needs to be mined. There are people that need to go take their machines and picks and axes and whatever. Well, I guess you don't take an axe. Picks and shovels. <laughs> no axes. No anybody to get that hurt. Uh, but they have to go and mine it and pull it out. So if you'll just think of Bitcoin in terms of that, only the mining is done with machines, uh, with computers. And we'll talk about that in the future. But, uh, you know, to wrap up, let's just recap uh, some of the things that make Bitcoin different from currencies that we're used to. Um, you mentioned one already. It's decentralized. You'll hear this word a lot. And what does that mean? So that means there is, it is not controlled by one entity or a central authority, right? It's distributed. And um, every machine that mines Bitcoin and, these process, and, and process these transactions, they become part of this big Bitcoin network. And uh, they all work together. They all have, really, Bitcoin becomes this ledger, right? Is really what it is. It's a ledger of these transactions. Every miner will have a copy of these transactions, and they're all sort of verifying it off of that. And uh, when new transactions happen, they all go on this ledger, and then the miners are verifying all of that. But there's not one, we are the Bitcoin Alliance Authority. There's not that. So decentralized is something that's, that's very, very important. Okay, and next, uh, it's easy to set up. You know, we've talked about Coinbase, and again, we're not shilling for Coinbase. We just both use it and like it and have found that it is the easiest way to um, to get, you know, an account set up. And, mm -hmm. and so you don't have to jump through a lot of hoops to, uh, to, to do this. You can get your account set up easily. Uh, but one of my favorite things is that nobody has to know who you are. Who are you? Who, 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 who. I'm uh, not going to yeah. tell you because it's anonymous. You're anonymous. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to know. So, you know, even though you can see these Bitcoin addresses, you can have multiple Bitcoin addresses. They aren't linked to your address where you live. Nobody knows. It's not connected to any of your social profiles, right? It is anonymous, but it's also transparent. People can see your your Bitcoin address connected to um, you know the transaction, and we can see that this address did this transaction, but we don't know who that address is. So it's transparent, but it's not scary, meaning that oh my God, my privacy is being infringed upon, right? So, right. Yeah. I, like I'm looking at the the Bitcoin address that you'll find in the show notes. If you want to send us a donation of Bitcoin, even if it's a one Satoshi worth, it's a 34 character address. So, and it's a um, it's a variety of alphanumerics, basically numbers and letters. And some of the letters are uppercase, some of them are lower. So it's unique, um, and it's computer generated, and nobody else will ever have 
that address. So it's anonymous, but it's transparent at the same time. Um, then we have, you know, if you try to do a wire transfer of some kind with your bank, they're going to charge you a whole bunch of money to do a wire transfer. Um, or to do a transaction, you know, Visa and MasterCard charge, what, 3%, 2% um, to buy some stuff. And Bitcoin doesn't have those kind of transaction fees. They're very small um, compared. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting about that is, yeah, Joel just mentioned that. If you want to send something internationally, not only does it cost you a substantial amount, but... If you're sending it from Seattle, then most likely you're going from Seattle to New York, then to London, then to Zurich, then to somewhere else. It's not a point A to point B. It's a It can be to point A, B, C, all the way to N in some cases, right? Everybody gets a little piece. And in actuality, what's interesting is the Fed is actually putting together this thing called the Faster Payments Task Force, where they're actually looking for ways to, uh, you know, create a better payment system to transfer money much, much faster. And that's where this digital currency stuff sort of fits right in. Very, very fast, very small transaction fees. And uh, so that's interesting there. Super fast. Yeah. I mean, if I've done deposits, right, or wire transfers and says deposits made by 3 p.m. Eastern today will appear tomorrow. Okay. I got to wait a whole day, sometimes longer if it's an international, you know, payment for the money to get there. And the banks, of course, they like to play the middle. The banks, even though the money's there, they'll play with it for a few days before they release it to your account because Mm -hmm. that's what they're in the business of. So you don't have to deal with that with Bitcoin. It's fast and it's accountable. But one of the benefits that I really love is it's not, you know, some people buy stuff and will try to scam you and, and claim, do a refund claim. You know, if you've ever sold anything um, digitally before, uh, there's some uh, networks where you can buy a digital product and then the um, uh, somebody can buy one of your products, like one of my ebooks. I've had this done many times. And then somebody will go and say, oh, I want a refund. But they can keep the book. There's no proof that they've deleted the book. They can ask for a refund, get all their money back, and keep whatever book or software they just purchased. There's no accountability. Yeah, sorry about that, Joel. Like I didn't, you know, I, but I wanted my refund back. Yeah. <laughs> Bitcoin doesn't work like that. Once it's sent, it's gone. That's it. It's, you know, you would have to deal with, if you knew who you were dealing with, you could certainly ask them for a refund, but there's not a central authority that they can go to and dispute it. Uh, once it's in your possession, it's yours. Once you've sent it, it's theirs. And so uh, these are just some of the reasons, you know, some a little bit about Bitcoin and some of the reasons that um, we are bullish on it and why we're doing this show. Absolutely. And so we have a, in the show notes, we'll say here are some places where you can buy and sell Bitcoin. We'll give you those. Coinbase is one. Uh, Bitrix is another one. Uh, Kraken is another one here in the U.S. Polonia. Let's get Kraken. There's a whole lot of them. And if you're actually outside of the United States, you have even more options. The United States has, uh, there is some some control and regulations on some things that we can and cannot do. Uh, and some of the other countries don't have those. And we'll talk about some of that a little later on in other episodes. Yeah, it's uh, we'll definitely talk about regulations. So um, I think that wraps it up. I hope everybody's enjoyed uh, the episode number two of the Bad Crypto Podcast. And if so, uh, there's a lot of places you can listen already. I don't know where you're listening right now, but certainly iTunes, you can find us. We are on, um, if you're an Android person, then Stitcher. 
or uh, Google Play. You can find us on SoundCloud, and we're taking the audio and putting it on YouTube as well. Uh, so if you prefer to listen on YouTube and you know make comments there, you can. Of course, the blog is Bad cryptopodcast.com and you know I've never put up a blog and after my first week had you know people actually commenting on blogs is very rare now right because they they comment on social media and we've already had a bunch of comments on our very first post on the blog which is amazing to me yeah it's been it's been phenomenal the amount of comments that we've received already um about the about the show has been very encouraging like even if we hadn't gotten those comments we're going to keep doing it because we feel the value of this long term is you know to, to help help move the masses towards cryptocurrency as we are growing in this space and you know we were really blown away by the the the, the rankings that we were already receiving on itunes uh fascinating i mean seriously bitcoin number one litecoin number one depending on mobile or desktop very very interesting to see and we've only just begun it's because we're bad and if you would like to support this podcast we currently don't have any sponsors although we are certainly open to um, to sponsorships feel free to reach out to us at bad crypto podcast at gmail.com and find us on the Twitters and the Facebook as at bad crypto. You can follow us there. We're starting to get likes to our page, uh, which, you know, I'd like for it to become a place for people to discuss cryptocurrency. Uh, there's some other crypto clubs out there on Facebook that are a lot of spamming, a lot of pump and dumping. Um, and certainly we don't want to allow that, but we do want to allow conversation. So come to facebook.com forward slash bad crypto and join our community and, and let's discuss cryptology, crypto, cryptology, cryptocurrency, all the crypts. Come discuss them all. We're going to talk and, cryptozoology. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Uh, how to digitize a giraffe. And <laughs> um, if you want to support us personally with Bitcoin, Litecoin, or Ethereum in the show notes is our address. And you can send off to us whatever you want. You could send us millions of uh, Satoshis or whatever form that would take. And, and we'd appreciate that because we're feeling love. Yes, absolutely. So thank you so much for tuning in to the Bad Crypto Podcast version 002 of uh, the Bad Crypto Podcast. And hopefully this wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be. Stay bad. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.